0: Um, Is it a great movie? No. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkoski. I'm Sean McAvert. And I'm Scott Elstrom. A washed-up stock car racer finds himself responsible for a family of six child car thieves who become his pit crew and show him... That love will indeed turn you around. This week, come and take it. Watches the 80s Kenny Rogers classic, Six Pack. But first, <laughs> what's your favorite
1: racing venue in Texas? Well, I'm going to go with an uh, unusual one. Fair Park, uh, which was uh, in Dallas, the home of the State Fair of Texas. But in 1984, they hosted the Dallas Grand Prix, and they turned the park, the entire park, into a giant Grand Prix racetrack. In July. July the 8th, 1984. <laughs> so, uh, if you know anything about Texas, uh, that's not a great idea. Legendary racers like Eddie Cheever, Alan Prost, Atrian Senna, and the great Niki Lauda, uh, they all brave temperatures so hot that their engines locked up, that tires melted, and only eight racers actually finished the course. But it probably would have been pretty cool to see, no matter
0: what. Well, you know, they have the... Um the fantastic Texas motor speedway where they do the, uh, the, the big oval track racing here in, in the Dallas area. And, uh, yeah. they have their, when they do their summer races, they do them at night. They put in a bunch of football stadium lights and then they, they run them at night because it is too darn hot during the day.
1: Yeah, but but see, you don't you don't have to you know they they just run around in a circle. They don't have to build a course around the the Ferris wheel and the <laughs> at the time the uh, the gondola. Oh my gosh!
0: Well, that's not my favorite racetrack. It's some great racetracks there. My favorite racetrack would be the old Malibu Grand Prix go kart in San Antonio, Texas. It is on the north side. Round about 1978 or so. I just remember seeing that thing and always dreaming of getting to get behind the wheel of one of those amazing go-karts and one time I got to I felt just <laughs> like stroke a race <laughs> <laughs> of course my 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 car did run like a chicken but uh, that's okay super fun
2: yeah well um never really been to car races or followed much um, in Texas but uh, my favorite Favorite racing venue in Texas uh, had to be um, my uncle Buddy's Aurora slot car track that he had when he was a kid, and then we resurrected when we were teenagers and uh, or preteens at my grandmother's house, and we had many fun nights racing on that track.
0: Good old Uncle Buddy. Yep. If I had a nickel for every time we talked about him on this show. I might have like $2. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Six Pack.
2: Why do you say it that way?
0: Six Pack. No, I it just, I don't know. Uh, I just, this movie, it came up last week talking
1: about Kenny Rogers. I'm glad we got to watch it. This was a... Wait, wait. Before we go forward, Let's let's go on the record. And we have this recorded. Scott said, and I quote, when we mentioned... We mentioned Six-Pack, Scott said, and I quote, "Love that movie. I when did. When I was a kid.
0: <laughs> I did.
2: Uh, I have very fond memories of this movie. Well, um, I will
0: figure out a way to get Tron on this podcast someday. <laughs> There's got to be a Texas connection.
2: But in the meantime... Um, no, I'm going to say a Six-Pack. Um, my memory of this movie, uh, it stands out because, again, i um, pretty sure I went to see this with my brother, my cousin, uh, when we were staying at my, my Nana's house and we went to this movie with my uh, uncle buddy and um, you know, it was a good rip roaring time in the early eighties. Um, I as a, let's see, how old was I? The eight. Yeah, I was eight years old when this came out. And that may have been the one and only time I saw it until this week. So, um,
1: <laughs> I, I have no memories of seeing this movie because I always confused it with Stroker Ace, uh, which was <laughs> very yeah, which,
2: different movie. Yeah, which is a Burt Reynolds Al Needham
1: movie vehicle uh, with uh, uh, Lonnie Anderson, uh, which you know, that I I think is not even saying I think it's a different year completely. So I, I just always confuse the two because they're both about stock car racing. So. You can watch this movie today. Uh, actually, you can watch it for free on YouTube. There is an HD version that I watched on YouTube, and it was just good quality. It was fine. I watched it on my Roku, and I was perfectly happy watching it that way. So you can watch it for free. Uh, so I guess we can use do my, my uh, trademark uh, schizophrenic movie oh my review. Oh, gosh. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Yeah, so the movie is set in Texas. It starts in Texas, and Kenny Rogers is a race car driver because it's obvious he's a race car driver because he's driving a beat-up old camper with a beat-up stock car on a trailer behind him, right? Uh, But there's the road sign that says, like, Lubbock, 252 miles, one direction, and San Antonio – Two hundred and fifty-six miles the other direction, and while I'm sure there's a place in Texas that's two hundred and fifty miles from Lubbock and two hundred and fifty miles from San Antonio, like there is no place that looks like this town with all these trees. That's like that looks like that is like that, and there's no place that's like, well, we're we're halfway between San Antonio and Lubbock. That 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 also doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. exist either. So, but still, it, it looks like it's a brown the Brady or you know uh fredericksburg area i think kind of the hill country mm-hmm. a little bit flatter trees anyway so he's driving through town uh he stops to get some gas uh and at a gas station and the 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 gas guy is asleep so he goes into the bathroom gets locked into the in the bathroom and has to climb his way out when he comes out uh you you have seen that a beat up old dairy truck is driven next to his his vehicle and when he gets out it's gone, and so are all the tires and the engine in his in his uh, race car. Uh, so he walks across the street over to the diner that's across the street and has some lunch, and uh, he's asking some questions uh the waitress, who is wearing this belt buckle. Can you describe this belt buckle, Mike? I mean, the belt buckle, or?
0: it looks like... Uh...
1: It's like a rodeo it, it, belt. Buckle, no, it's right? not a
0: rodeo belt. It's more like a wrestling belt. It looks like something yeah. Terry Huge. Funk would yeah. use as a weapon in the ring. Yeah,
1: <laughs> except that it's got a radio in it, and it's playing country music. And he asks her to change the station, so she turns it to another country station. Uh, but I want a belt buckle like this that's got a radio in it. That's that's pretty buckle, pretty, like pretty dead. Gun cool. Uh, anyway, he looks out the window and he sees that he sees that uh, that uh, dairy truck coming coming by uh, has pulled it away from a corvette that's had that's been stripped and uh he runs out and he chases these kids and they they go go around the bend and everything and and then they end up uh driving off of an embankment over next to a bridge in, in a river and they and the, the the car goes and the the van goes into the river and out pop these kids these little kids uh ranging from teenagers to little and he gone he comes over and helps them out, and then the and the littlest one is stuck on top of the van, so he swims out there and rescues him, and then he gets him back, and he's like, "You stole my vehicle. Where's my parts?" and they they tell him that they've already delivered the parts that they stole from him. This is another this is another set of parts that they've stripped from this car, and so he takes them back to their house and their house is looks like Uncle Jesse's Shack from uh the, the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, but it turns out these kids are orphans. And they had stolen uh, a car and stolen some tires to feed themselves and they got caught by the sheriff and he's running them on a racket. He's going to send them off to the orphanage to the juvenile uh, detention uh, if they don't keep stripping cars and he gets he sells the the parts and and gets to keep the money. And the sheriff's played by Barry Corbin, who's we've talked about before, great character actor from Texas, uh, famous for – the show, uh, what was that show that uh, the finish of the show, Northern Exposure, and a lot of other shows that 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 we loved growing up. Um, he plays the sheriff, and sheriff comes and he ends up arresting Kenny Rogers, but the kids bust him out of jail, and they take off, uh, take off, and they're going to Shreveport. And he tells him, "Will you get me? You know, you, we get to Shreveport, and then I'll uh, uh, put you on a bus to your families and." and uh they end up stripping the other cars at the at this uh, uh hotel where all the other racers are driving to get him an engine that works and and to get him uh wheels tires and uh but then he ends up winning the race and they the the character played uh by Anthony Michael Hall his name is Doc he's one of the the kids uh, it's one of his early roles. He's a it's his, genius. It's his debut role. I debut role. There you go. Uh, he is a genius with uh, mechanic. He's kind of the lead mechanic of the group. Uh, there's some other kids that never really did anything, but the oldest one is a girl. Her name is Breezy, but she wants to go by Heather. Heather. And, her yeah. name is Heather. Well, yes, her name is Heather, but they call her Breezy. That's uh, uh, Diane Lane, who uh, she I think she's probably 17 years old, but she's just absolutely beautiful. Um, this is a couple of years before her career was nearly destroyed by uh, Streets of Fire. And uh, so they help him. They basically become his pit crew, and he starts winning races. And he decides to keep them around. Uh, he's going to keep them around because he's winning, and they're really good at keeping his car running and uh, keeping his car going. And uh, But um, he starts to kind of change the way. He's, he's kind of a love him and leave him kind of guy. Ah, uh, but then they get into some hijinks, and he has to sort of bail them out and get them out of trouble a couple of times, and he realizes he's got to be responsible for these kids. Um, one of his friends uh, is an old flame, is played by Aaron Gray, who was in between uh, the Buck Rogers show and the Silver Spoons. Uh, she's a waitress in Shreveport, and he's got a a thing with her. But they're on and off, um, but you can tell that she's his love interest. So uh, they go through some races. Uh, they have a uh, he has a conflict with his former um, mechanic, head mechanic, who rigged his his uh, previous car to crash and it put him out of racing for two years. Uh, and he's played by Terry Kaiser, who is most famous hang for on, being. Hang on, the, hang on, yeah. Now,
0: you're going to say what you think he's most famous for, and then I'm we'll say what we think he's most famous for. All
1: right. I'll say what I think he's most famous for. I think he's most famous for playing a dead man in uh, Weekend at Bernie's.
0: And that's a fine turn. <laughs> but let us not
1: forget that he played the wizard
0: in the sequel to Mannequin, Mannequin oh, that, on the Move. Oh, <laughs> he's been well, in a million things. He's been in a million things. He's a he's great a actor. Character. You know,
2: I was trying to remember where I remembered his (laughs) face from. And then you said weekend at Bernie's. And I was like,
1: oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. He always plays Smarmy. That's, he even plays Smarmy when he's dead. Uh, But he, he's sort of the hotshot racer in the, in the, I mean, they're not in the main NASCAR league. They're in a smaller league. But he's sort of the hotshot racer guy. And uh, he's got it out for, for, uh, Brewster, uh, which is Kenny Rogers' character, so they end up uh, getting picked up by Ford. Uh, which <laughs> the, there's a scene where the kids have been picked up by the local police because the sheriff's still after them, and uh, there's a scene where the Ford guy comes up and says, "I, uh, I'm, I'm with Ford Motors, and we're we're getting back into racing." And Kenny Rogers looks at him and said, "Ford from Detroit," and I was like. Well, what other Ford would you think that would be, Kenny? Ford from Provo. How about that? Well, you
0: know, the thing is, at this point, they've established, you know, here's the guy. He's the unwitting caretaker. The kids have skills. He puts them to work. They get him an advantage. But he learns that he can't take advantage of kids. And then at the end of the whole thing, the whole circle comes around about.
1: Right, because he gets in it. He goes through the. Ra- he gets the kids out of the jail by impersonating uh, a, a, a police officer, a sheriff, a Texas sheriff, badly. Uh, but he gets them out of the out of the the jail in. I guess they're in uh, Nashville or something, and they wind up going uh, to Atlanta for the big for an actual NASCAR race, for the for the Atlanta Five Hundred, and he's about to win, and the sheriff shows up and gets the kids. The sheriff from Texas and gets the kids, and so he's got his last lap, and instead of finishing his lap, he cuts off uh, Terry Kaiser's character, and then runs him into his pit, into his pit, and then cuts through the infield to go chase after the sheriff because he realizes that it's the kids that matter to him, not um, not the winning the race. Uh, and but they they make it through because the the television uh, cameras show up and. And he basically gets the sheriff to, you know, he kind of hints to him that he's going to reveal the whole shebang about the the, the car thief ring. Uh, and the sheriff says, "No, no, no! I'm just here to make sure they're all right." And we're the state of Texas is perfectly happy with Mister Brewster here. Uh, so, you know, and then that's that's where it ends. They he gets married uh, to Aaron Gray's character, and they've had. The kids have been saving up to buy a house in Nashville, but they can't because they're children. Uh, But he finds out about it, and he actually buys. I think it's implied he buys the house himself, Uh, and that's where they move. and And it's happily ever after. Love will turn you around. Oh, we'll
0: turn you around. It'll turn you around. We can only (laughs) afford to license one song from Kenny Rogers for the movie, so right, even though he's in it,
1: even though he's in it.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. complicated. Well, you know, I saw... They
1: played it They played it three times. Yes. They, well, because it's a great
0: song, obviously. Obvo, Sean. Now, they did... Uh, I didn't see it, and I got to go back and look for it, but apparently Burt Reynolds has a walk-on cameo somewhere in here. Yes, it I was trying It passes in that. front of the camera, but I missed it. I can't... I couldn't I find it.
2: And I don't know what
1: there you scene go. it's go. Maybe, maybe that's why I thought this was the... No,
0: I think you're having no. a stroke. I don't think you would have uh, recognized him.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's okay. There's two things that prevent that that made sure this went on t- on the theaters and not television. Uh, one of them is that, like, ba- kind of like the Bad News Bears, this is 1982 PG, so the language from the children is absolutely outrageous. Uh, there is a lot of language, a lot of cussing going on, especially uh from the one kid named the one brother named Swifty. Uh, he he cusses a lot. Uh, so uh, that's the one thing. But for the most part, the movie is filmed like and looks like a TV movie. I mean, it, it's it looks like mm. a good. Like a well-made episode of, of A-Team. You know, well, like one of the better episodes of the I, A-Team.
0: I'll point out that the movie, they'd scouted all over. they scouted all over for this movie and on locations. And then <clears throat> at the time, Georgia was doing a bunch of tax incentives, so the studio filmed the whole thing in Georgia. Well, Plus, there's a bunch of racetracks there. Uh, I love all the trivia. I don't know how much is true, but apparently about... Fourteen years ago, Kevin James was slated to do a remake of this movie. Oh gosh! <laughs> well, what I thought was interesting when
2: I was I was reading about this is apparently the year after this movie was released, they did a TV pilot starring Don Johnson.
1: Ah, so you know what? I have vague memories of that.
2: I could uh, I could imagine Don Johnson in the role of Brewster Baker. It'd be
1: good. It'd be good. Yeah, and Marky Post. Marky Post was uh the uh, the female lead on this. I'm looking at IMDB. Joaquin Phoenix was in it. <laughs> wow. Probably, probably build as Leaf. Uh I think he was. As yeah. Joaquin as Leaf Phoenix. Yep, that was when he was Leaf Phoenix. That's that's amazing.
0: So
2: now nice. we're going to, I'm going to have to try and dig that up,
1: but that's
0: unrelated. Um, Let's talk about, here's one thing that bothered me in this movie, not bothered me, but it felt like there was Uh, I I couldn't figure out cause they have that whole, you know, signed by Ford and they have Ford, Ford, there was a lot of Ford and then he's driving his RV is built on a, um, a Ford line chassis, which is their van chassis. Mm-hmm. But then his race car is a Camaro and it's a 1970 Camaro and so I just was trying to figure out you know t- today every major car and all the race series would all be the same cars this was just a mishmash of cars It that did feel pretty organic like
1: well, what the junkers said,
0: we got on the lot we can we can grab
1: yeah well the Ford guy says I uh Ford's getting back into racing That's it's true so- yeah.
0: This was this was uh eighty so two this was, this was yeah. the time of the Mustang Two, which was a stinker.
1: Um Well, I think that I think the NASCARs of the time were uh Pontiac Grand Nationals. Um I think yeah, that was the stock his cars his NASCAR. stock car in this movie's a Camaro. Well yeah, yeah, but I mean in the in I'm just telling you pipe. what the
0: eyes see. I can't tell you what my heart feels. <laughs> Um, yeah, but he drove a – yeah, well, the other guy's car, they call it a Buick, but it's not a Buick. It's really a Dodge, but it doesn't matter. This is all – this is not car talk. Okay, so what is the thing that you look – who was this movie made for in 1982, and how would they make it today?
1: Well, I think it was made as a – I think it was probably intended to be a TV movie because um, he had already done some TV movies. He had done a, The Coward of the County, uh, and I th- think. I'm not sure if he'd done Gambler yet, but I know he'd done Coward of the County. He'd done the TV movie about uh, uh, about Dottie. Uh, that had already been done, I think. So, Or maybe that was later. But point, Okay, let me start over. I, I know he'd already done the Coward of the County TV movie, and he'd done a couple of other TV films at this point. Um, so I think Kenny Rogers, this definitely was a star vehicle for Kenny Rogers. I think they saw more in the story than uh, a normal TV movie, and so they thought We could make some money at the box office with this. Uh, It didn't cost anything to make. So, obviously, um, I think that they were also tying in on Bad News Bears, that vibe, right? The unlikely caretaker for for a group of rowdy kids.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sort of is. But it's interesting that he's not (laughs) – it's a watered-down Bad News Bears, though, because let's be honest with you. Kenny Rogers as middle of the road and for everyone as his music is his acting is right there in the middle of the road and for everyone so he doesn't play it's interesting I guess Burt Reynolds was approached to do this movie which would have been a very different movie I think it would have been I think the the romanticism would have been a lot more believable and and I think it would have pushed it more squarely they probably would have pushed it more squarely
2: into Bad News Bears territory with Burt Reynolds in the lead I think but you know, I think Kenny Rogers did 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 well in this for what it is. Um, I my you know I this was a favorite of mine when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it. Always that. held a, a golden place in my memory. And then watching it now again as an adult, eh, maybe not so much. But at the time, it was just really cool to see these kids, you know, stripping these cars and and doing these. These things that uh, then we could go as youngsters and uh, fantasize about doing ourselves. So that was a big part of the attraction for me.
1: Yeah, I think Kenny Rogers uh, transitions effectively m- into a father role very quickly because he just has a, I mean, he's just got a nice, easygoing nature to him anyway, even when he's, you know, Love him and leave him down in his like whatever at the start of the movie. But he's, I think he transitions more effectively into the father role. He, he's not a tough guy, even even when he's you know fighting the the pit crew for for uh, Turk, his his rival, uh, and they're they're beating the crap out of him. But he's he's fighting back and he's doing well. But it doesn't work as well for him to be the tough guy as as say Burt Reynolds would be. I, I can't help but think like this movie would probably be a lot funnier and a lot more interesting if Hal Needham directed it rather than uh, Daniel <laughs> Petrie, who did uh, you know Sybil and a few other uh, uh, smaller f- uh, TV films. Uh, I thought that Diane Lane is wonderful. You know, I think she's a really good actress who de- who didn't certainly get her due in the '80s. Uh, should have been a bigger star. It ended up being a big star. Erin Gray is wonderful. I love her. You know, we all had crushes on her when we were kids. And of course, you know Barry Corbin. You just Barry Corbin basically is channeling uh, uh, um, Sheriff Buford T. Justice uh, from the Smokey and the Bandit movies. Jackie yeah. Gleason. Yeah. Um even though it's a small part, he's only got like really three three scenes.
2: Yeah, I thought it was I don't know. I, I was I was trying to figure out, you know, what it was about this movie that was uh sticking in my head and, and it's it there's a there's not a lot of time wasted in um No. It's character very,
1: development.
0: It's not a long <laughs> movie, by the way. The
1: movie. No, bit... and it moves. It moves really well. I think it, that's one thing I liked about. It. I did like about it, even though it's pretty cheesy. I think it moves really well. It has really good pacing. It goes from scene to scene, and it's not abrupt, but it it moves yeah, pretty naturally. Yeah. But well, I, what, given given that it's 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 a movie from 1982, it has it's, a different pace yeah, and I think an long. Style. It barely
0: qualifies as a movie. Let's start with that. And <laughs> the other thing I found interesting, another one of those little trivia things, is they said Kenny Rogers. Tour started towards the end of filming, so they rushed to get all of his yeah. scenes shot, and then all the reaction shots that he's not in is just a stand-in. Oh, so okay. he wasn't even on the set for the last few days of filming.
1: Hey, he's yeah. got good chemistry with the kids, though, especially the scene in the hotel room. Where he's Everybody loves Kenny Rogers.
0: We talked about this last week, Sean.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, and t- runtime is one hundred eight one hundred eight minutes. Now, the TV version, the TV version cut fourteen minutes. Of The film, so that must bring it down to the year 65 minutes. What okay,
2: y'all's numbers
1: are all wrong. I'm looking at IMDb.
2: I mean, IMDb says one hour and 48 minutes, that's I more see, than an hour and a half.
1: I see you show one, 108 minutes. That's six pack. Yeah. 1982,
2: one hour 48 minutes.
1: Oh, uh, well. Whatever the case. It made twenty two it made twenty million dollars. So well, I think it's
0: going it, well, on I had the file open here, but it was only showing part of it. It was it's a more longer than an hour. I was going <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. It's like an hour and forty eight minutes. That's kind of a anyway, strange thing.
2: Yeah. Got it. You know, I just you know, it everything moves really fast and what's interesting about it for me to me was that the stakes the stakes are never really that high. I mean there's very little, the, the, probably the single biggest moment of peril in the entire film is when the kids drive their van into the river. Mm-hmm. And then that is real danger that they, they seem to be in. Other than that, things are pretty low stakes. But, yeah. you know, um, that's fine. I mean, I, I think everything works just fine. Because really what it's about is Kenny Rogers, Brewster Baker, finding um, a new role as a father. Um, to these kids.
1: Yep.
2: Uh, let's see. I'm gonna go back. I don't know. One.
1: There was there was the one scene where they, you know, the the bad guys beat Kenny Rogers up and dump him in the Stone Mountain. National yeah, park. but they at that point,
2: you know, they they weren't gonna kill him. I never thought I never thought anybody was gonna die.
1: Mm, that's true. Put it that way. Uh, I I thought see. that the scene after that where so he he wakes up at at the base of the uh, famous Confederate generals uh, mountain carving. Uh, that's the largest monument in the world. And uh, which is problematic today, but not so problematic in yeah. 1982. However, he's, he's hitchhiking to get back to the raceway. And the, these two guys in a convertible beetle pull up and they're, they're very blatantly hippies. And it's like 1982 hippies? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I think that's a little late for those for hippies well, to be in Georgia.
2: Again, it's the uh, the economy, um, <laughs> the the film economy. They're they're trying to tell a story in as little um, explanation as possible. So, I think still the most to this day, one of the most obvious ways to say, "Hey, these are a couple of uh, stoners," is just make them look like hippies, and people will just jump to conclusions. That's true. Uh, that's true. Um, the other the other thing that I thought was funny was, and, you know, talking about stakes again, is when uh, the corrupt sheriff and his deputy – or when the corrupt sheriff has his plan foiled on national television, um, he doesn't <laughs> really have any other uh, comeuppance, you know. Yeah. Um, essentially, he's probably free to go back to Texas and uh, find some other way to uh, double deal and uh, take bribe money or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, again – not important to the main
1: story well and also you know i would wonder what was going to happen to brewster and lila when they go to register their kids school or try to get them health (laughs) care uh i you know are they are they gonna actually legally adopt them or (laughs) or not yeah again details details we don't need yeah well
0: you know listen this this movie should go on a shelf. Between the bad news bears and overboard, and that's that's where it belongs. <laughs>
1: uh, I would say it probably needs to go closer to the bad news bears in Tokyo. You know, oh boy.
0: So let me ask this: uh, for I guess first question, does it for you guys having seen it, Scott, for having seen it, does it hold up? Well, it depends on what you how you say hold up. Um, is it a great movie? No.
2: But is it a bad movie? <laughs> no, not really. Again, it's very middle of the road. Um,
0: so would you doesn't recommend really do people, much to would you recommend do what people. Would you recommend people watch it then? Oh, I think it's certainly worth watching. All right, All right. Certainly worth watching. Sean, you wanted this cold. You've never seen it, right?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I'd I thought I'd seen it, but I haven't.
0: Ah, so is it worth watching?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, okay, I think it's certainly better than than. Whatever that Chuck Norris movie we watched (laughs) earlier. Silent Rage. Silent Rage. Just way better than Silent Rage. I think
0: that would be a great project for someone to go out there and put together a nice list of where our come and take it watches movies (laughs) ranking.
2: (laughs) Terry Kaiser, by the way, was uh,
0: in an episode of uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. He was also in an episode of Auto Man.
1: He was also in an episode of Manimal. He He was was in in an episode of
0: Manimal. (laughs) And Chips. Listen. He's living our best life. <laughs> That's what you're saying. <laughs> and, <laughs> Wait, hold on. Uh, something
2: else, reading uh, his bio, Terry Kaiser, is uh, apparently in 2013, yeah, in 2013, he became the creative director of the Actors Arena, a seminar workshop in Austin, Texas.
0: Wow. Well, he's still so we may have working. to do some more research on that. Yeah, maybe some. Hey, you know what? He was, Austin Texans, if you know Mr. Kaiser, we'd love to talk to him.
1: He was in Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> <Let me see. laughs> and the, Let me see if and got the that famous one. Teddy Z. He was a regular on Night Court. He played a character named Al... I think he was like Con Man. Mm. Al Craven was his name. No, reporter. He was the reporter on Night Court. He was the reporter who was always trying to dig up dirt on everything. He was in several episodes of This, is,
0: this is exactly what it's like when you're Grandpa is getting a little older. Things start slowing down. It's a lot of night court reminiscing, kids. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, that show's a great show. Yeah.
0: Um, something else that I found interesting about this movie
2: was, uh, for a movie, you know, somewhat, somewhat about car racing, um, it didn't feel like they spent a lot of effort making it look like uh, Kenny Rogers was really driving a car on a mm-hmm. racetrack. Um, all of the footage was uh, – or most of the race footage was shot uh, separate from the film. In fact, all of the uh, the NASCAR footage was shot at an actual NASCAR race in Atlanta uh, with cars painted to look like the movie cars um, during an actual race. And then all of the insert shots of Brewster Baker and the, the cab of the car driving, um, pretty sure were just on a soundstage with him looking around and them shaking the car. Um, but still, um, I, I do thought it would think it was interesting. I uh, think it was was it you, Sean, that uh, mentioned how just a few years later, how much different Days of Thunder was.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By the yeah, uh, yeah, between 1982 and 1989, uh, I think uh, stock car racing had a big upgrade. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this, you know, it's uh,
0: you know, racing and this is not the racing and movies podcast, but that'd be a pretty good one to do too. Um, <laughs> now, okay. Something that we, we've
2: talked about before when we're talking about Texas movies or Texas based movies. Um Did it, the parts that were set in Texas, did they look like Texas to you?
1: Yeah, I thought that the, I thought that it did. I, th- I think it looks a lot like uh, North central Texas. You, you know, it of course, the area. Yeah. Of course, area or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. It didn't not
0: look like Texas. It you know they didn't have a big scene in front of the Alamo or the Capitol, which I think <laughs> yeah. is a really easy way to you know or something in downtown Houston where there's yeah, they clearly they visible landmarks. They they didn't
2: do the hard sell insert shot of <laughs> like you said the Alamo or the Houston skyline. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, when the movie opened, they're they're supposed to be in, he's supposed to be driving through Texas, and you get the nice helicopter shot of him driving down the country road. And to me, that could have been, like Sean said, that could have been North Central Texas. It could have been, uh, even could have been some parts of East Texas. Um, it I was convinced. Um, it, it it actually wasn't until um, you know I looked up information later that I was hundred percent sure that it wasn't at it, all shot it, in Texas.
0: True, but is it sad that Pee Wee's Big Adventure is really the yardstick we're using for Texas and movies? No. <laughs> I'm just
2: saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. A lot of times in movies, when they say, "Hey, we want you to know that you're in this place," they'll, yes. you know, make sure to put in an insert <laughs> shot. It won't even have to be shot with the principal, you know, principals in it. They'll just show a shot of the skyline of okay, just to establish. We're in Houston, etc. No,
0: I, I I totally get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah right. but then
1: it's like the then it's like the X Files movie where it's like we're in Dallas and there's mountains, mountains. in the background. <laughs> uh, no.
0: Well, you know, listen, Chuck Chuck does the best that he can.
1: Yeah, yeah. whereas whereas JFK, that was Dealey Plaza. Yeah, <laughs> they were now, in Dealey Plaza.
2: Let's uh, let's also before we go. Um, also need to talk about uh, Brewster Baker's um, way with the ladies. Um, He is apparently um, very much desired. I don't think there's a woman that he meets in this movie that he either um, does not have to push away as she attempts to lock her lips to his, or he just walks up and manhandles with uh, the greatest of ease.
1: I think it's the beard. It's the beard. (laughs)
2: Yeah, this movie uh, Six Pack is not uh, very big on uh, the empowerment of women. No, um, nobody, none of the women are what you would, you know, I don't know what to say. It's not fridged because they're not killed or imprisoned or put in peril or anything. But you know, the the women definitely um, are are sideline characters to to any of the to most of the heroics. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean Br- Breezy slash Heather has kind of the most active role. And you know, she's sixteen, seventeen years old. And, but and you know, she is she is either having to be the mother for the kids or she's scheming with them using her feminine wiles to try to, you know, distract Turk while they go steal the head gaskets from his car. So yeah you know it's it's kind of stereotype roles i thought it was interesting aaron gray's character uh, lila she is clearly the one that candy rogers is the most interested in and she's most interested in him there's a scene where she gets she comes into georgia and he's talking to uh he's kissing a waitress a waitress has grabbed him at the at the bar and is kissing him and he sees her and nods at her and she kind of smiles and laughs and walks over to him and doesn't get mad or anything. So it's like, it seems like she is just waiting for him to settle down. Like that's, that seems to be her deal. She's waiting yep. for him to come around and settle down. And that's, so it's, it's not, it's not the most positive role uh, that she could have, but it's, it's an interesting take on the character, but it's obvious. I agree with you. It's obvious the women aren't the, fo- the focus of this movie.
2: He's even wearing a Ford Tough t-shirt uh, when he gets the crap beat out of him. All oh, the other racers. I thought that was interesting. It's a nice product
0: placement there. Yeah, so, uh, you know, if you're in the market for a truck, why not check out your local Ford dealership? See if they have something. The 1982 model is still sitting on the lot. <laughs> Um. Yeah, this was a great movie. This was always fun to do. Uh, well, maybe great movies a stretch, but it was it was fun to watch this old movie. It was entertaining. Yep. I I saw this a lot when I'm, this was something that showed on one of the one of the movie channels when I was a kid in the eighties. I do remember seeing this movie several times, off and on. But uh, yeah, yeah. That was Six Pack, folks. Hope you enjoyed it that wraps things up for today you can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com we love hearing from you so like and share us on facebook follow the show on twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback you can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com and why not follow us individually too i am on twitter at mr java i'm max shaman two ends and i'm scotticus if you love the show Well, tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes because that helps us to find people just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast where you too can become a come and take it, Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.